Hey, it's Neville Midori. Hi, this is Perry Marshall. This is Andy Hussong, and you are listening to Traffic Jam. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi there, listener. Welcome back to Traffic Jam. This is show number 68 of the podcast that teaches you how to get more traffic to your website and build a profitable audience online. I am, of course, your host, James Reynolds, and I'm very thankful, as always, to have you with me today for the show. Hoping you've had an awesome week so far. Just before we get into the content, a couple of quick announcements The first one is that on the 29th of April, I'm going to be holding a free online and live event titled The Three Most Important Elements of a High-Ranking Website and How to Optimize Them to Double Your Traffic and Sales in the Next Six Months. So if you want to learn how to leverage search engine optimization to rank your website higher on Google and generate more traffic and sales for your business, then this is an event you don't want to miss. Now, to get more information and to register, go to veravo.com forward slash webinar. That's veravo.com, V-E-R-A-V-O.com forward slash webinar, which if you find that page after the event, I'm sure you'll be able to find out when the next event is coming. So go check that out and register if that's of interest to you. The second thing I want to ask you today is to just go and review and rate Traffic Jam on iTunes or Stitcher. I do ask this every once in a while because it really is the best way that you can show support for the show. So I'd really encourage you to do that. Of course, helps Traffic Jam rank better in iTunes and that has the benefit of, of course, getting the show out to more people. So I really would appreciate that if you took just two minutes of your time this week to go and review the show. And of course, if there's some interesting reviews, which tends to be most, I'll make sure that they're read out on a future episode. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So on to today's show. The topic is joint ventures and we're joined by Andy Hassong, who's a baseball loving former US Army National Guard who shot to notoriety in the marketing scene, being the affiliate manager for John Reese, the former kind of internet marketing guru, if you like, from uh, sort of 10 years or so. Now, Andy's now working with some of the rising stars of internet marketing, people like Ryan Levesque, Todd Brown, Kyle Graham, all friends of the show here on Traffic Jam. And he really is the kind of the number one expert in joint venture partnerships. We're diving deep into that topic today. I'm not going to spin out the intro anymore. I think it's just worth diving straight into the content. We cover a huge amount on this show from what to look for in joint venture partners, what to promote and how to promote. So I'm sure you're going to love every second of it. So let's welcome onto the show Andy Hassan for a chat all about joint ventures. Liar, I wanna be, me, 
Welcome back, listeners. You're tuned into episode 68 of Traffic Jam. And today we're talking joint ventures with Andy Hassong. Andy, how are you doing? Doing great, James. I appreciate it, man. Well, let's dive straight in. Let's talk about what a joint venture is. And if I take the dictionary definition, a joint venture occurs when two or more parties agree to contribute to an enterprise for a share of revenues. How accurate is that definition as it relates to joint ventures for the purpose of marketing, which we're talking about today? Well, I believe that's pretty spot on, actually. Um, And it depends on who you ask, but I personally believe a joint venture is just any kind of a collaboration between two companies uh, that is mutually beneficial, and that's not necessarily always, you know, one uh, both companies promoting each other's products and services. Although that's what you know typically happens quite a bit. Um, as long as both sides benefit from the collaboration in some fashion, that would be uh, considered a joint venture. Got it. Now, a typical kind of why question that might pop up at this stage would be. You know, as a host of those types of relationships, why give up your kind of hard-earned goodwill and strong relationships to someone else? Or on the other side of the coin, why split your profits when you could acquire a customer by going direct? What would you answer to that type of question? Well, I believe that in working with other people to do joint ventures and such, it pays to give a percentage of the profits to start that relationship, not just with that joint venture partner, but with the people who are on the subscriber list or customer list that you're working with, because there's a very good chance that a high percentage of the people on the partner's uh, database or in their database on their subscriber list and so on would never do business with you because they may never hear of you without the introduction from your partner. So that would be the first and foremost thing I'd say about that. Okay, well, let's get talking about how we might establish or perhaps find joint venture relationships. Have you got any particular criteria for kind of identifying the right joint venture partners? Sure. Um, You mean for yourself, right? For your own company, correct? Yeah. So let's consider my situation. I've got a business. I want to look out there for other people who could promote my stuff and introduce it to their own customers or contacts. How would I identify who might be the right people to approach to do that? Well, first, what I always recommend to people is that they, you know, assuming you have a solid product or service available that, you know, converts really well and has a low refund rate, uh, which proves that it works for people and people are getting good value from it and so on. What I would do first is look at your current contact list of people in your niche who could potentially be a partner for you and prioritize the list of contacts you've already got uh, among people that maybe you've met at a live event or some of your clients that love you who already know, like, and trust you, who could potentially be a marketing partner with you, and so on, uh, even just regular customers. But people who you have pinpointed as someone that you could reach out to and just try to get that first JV deal under your belt. And the reason I say that is so many people think they have to get tons and tons of partners or affiliates and so on to promote for them, which you you do in a sense, uh, for um, especially when you do a product launch or whatever. But uh, if you really want to get down to the basics, it's all about getting that very first JV partner under your belt and then leveraging the results you get from working with that one partner into several other partners down the road. So that would be the first thing I would do is just look after your 
look out to see who your low-hanging fruit are and reach out to them to get in a discussion about what you have going on and then leverage from there. You said kind of in your niche, I assume we're not talking about direct competition here. We're perhaps talking about those people who have, you know, similar audiences, but non-competing products or services. Would that be right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Ideally, you want to reach out to someone who is in the same marketing space, but maybe they're offering a software that helps that complements what you're doing uh, and so on. But some people even will reach out to people who are quote unquote competitors and look for ways to uh, support each other that makes sense that doesn't make you guys indirect competition or even if it does if you're trading each other's subscriber list to help each other out some people do that now most don't but i've seen it done before you know yeah and it seems to be pretty much confined to the kind of marketing or internet marketing space right i mean a few other industries would you see you know competing companies actually sharing the same customers but that kind of mindset does seem to be more prevalent in the space that you and i both operate in would you say that's the case yeah yeah it's and unfortunately it's pretty incestuous uh, within the internet marketing space you know i mean it really is but uh but mainly dude you know what it really all comes down to is is uh, you know just getting a good clear picture of the type of partners you'd like to work with, and then just being real with them and reaching out to them in a way that you know gets a conversation going and you know get them to first base without trying to hit a home run right off the bat. Don't overwhelm them. I mean, we you know for the purposes of this call, I know this is a podcast interview. It might last 20, 30 minutes or whatever. I could go on all day about the do's and don'ts of what you should or shouldn't do, but but I, as long as you are focused on the low-hanging fruit people that you already know and have a high probability of getting their attention at least and just focus on getting one or two deals under your belt and then putting 100% of your efforts into making that deal do really well for their sake and for your own sake, then, you you know, you, again, you can leverage from there. And there are all kinds of things you can do to make that happen. But th- those are the initial steps that I recommend everyone start out with. Okay, cool. So we've identified perhaps some low hanging fruits, some you know, easy pick at joint venture partners. What's the best way to then approach them? What does the kind of like the perfect pitch look like to to get a JV partner? Okay, so if it is somebody that's low hanging fruit, someone who you know already knows, likes and trusts you and so on, the best thing to do is to reach out and authentically care about what they are doing and what they want at this point. Obviously, you want them to promote for you, okay? Um, but when you reach out to them, you want to really, you, you want to know what's in it for them or you want to make it all about what's in it for them, first of all. But you also want to know what's making them tick right now, what pro- what products they're promoting. And more importantly, you know, if they're even interested at all in joint venture opportunities, because it doesn't do any good to contact someone and ask them if they consider recommending you to their audience if you haven't shown them the respect right up front to say, look, man, um, I see that you've got a webinar about such and such. How's that going for you? And by the way, I was just curious, are you uh, looking to do any joint venture deals with other marketers in their webinars uh, or their product launches or whatever the case may be? And so, you know, it's just about having a, a simple you know, conversation, you're asking them a question or two just to get them engaged. And it's it's like you're surveying them basically to find out if they're doing deals uh, first and foremost. Second of all, if they are, 
Then you go back to them uh, in a, another reply, say, well, look, this is what I have. Let me know if it's of interest to you. And here's what I have in mind based on uh, my research and, and so on. And, and you can also tell them, look, you know, obviously, you know your audience better than I do. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is a great fit for your list. But from my initial research and just kind of looking at what you have from the outside looking in, to me, it seems like it could potentially be a really nice match. And so by and what you're doing there, you're showing them the respect of saying, look, you understand your people. You know, they're the ones that have put their blood, sweat and tears into building their audience. You're not. And the reason I bring that up is because after so many years when I was working as an affiliate manager for John Reese, who is an Internet marketing expert back in um, like from 90, I think it was 94 to 2000 or 2003 or something like that. Uh, I was working with him. We got so many offers of people asking us to consider promoting for them when we hadn't even started a conversation and I didn't even know who they were, you know? (laughs) And so they went to the bottom of the list automatically. And so that's, you know, it's very important that you build that rapport first, uh, just with some simple questions and so on. And the worst thing people would say is, hey, I've got this product that would be perfect for your list. And I'm like, dude, how do you know? How do you know that? How do you know what's best for someone else's list? And so that always stuck with me. But it seems like a lot of this stuff is really built on relationships and trust, which would make total sense. Because, you know, if I am to give up my customers to you, Andy, and suggest they go check out your stuff, I want to make sure that they're going to be looked after and the product that I'm suggesting they check out is is good. So we can see that that's going to be prevalent. What about to those people who are unfamiliar with joint ventures? Obviously, the internet marketing space, people understand what the concept is. But what about to those people who may be working in more kind of offline environments where this type of thing is kind of less widely used? How would you overcome perhaps their concerns into entering a JV relationship? Yeah, well, the first thing is it all starts with mindset and understanding where both sides of a potential joint venture deal are coming from. And, and when I say the mindset is that a lot of people think, well, why would I want to promote someone else? What if they steal my customers and so on? Keep in mind, these customers don't belong to any of us. We get customers be- based on our marketing and they're going to love us and keep coming to us if we do our job and do it well, regardless of what other people are doing. As long as we're focused on what we do, then we're taking care of what we can control. And then when it comes to uh, partnering with other people, the key is, it's like you mentioned early in this call, is to find complementary products or services that you feel would be a match and then reach out to them and just get in a conversation again, whether you're online or offline. If you've got a jewelry store, for instance, who uh, obviously a lot of the the uh, customers are men who come in to uh, get uh, stuff, uh, gifts for their wives on Valentine's Day, Christmas, and so on. Uh, well, that jewelry store could team up with a florist and to to maybe offer uh, a package deal of, okay, you come in, you spend $500 in jewelry, then we're going to throw in a bunch of red roses, you know, a dozen red roses or something. And so it's just about thinking about complementary products, uh, whether it's in your local town or just uh, if you're doing offline, if you have a brick and mortar business, it could be somebody, uh, you know, a few cities away even, but something complimentary. And you've got to have the mindset that, look, you know, we're all in this to stay in business. 
who can I team up with that can help support that? And who can I support to help bring more business to them? And in fact, that's one of the best ways to reach out to someone is to make it all about that other person and say, look, you know, I've got an idea. Um, you know, I'm Joe Schmo from wherever. I, I have an idea for how I could help refer new business to you. Um, would you have time to jump on a quick phone call or something? You know, it could be as simple as that. And then you just get in a brainstorm session where you discuss the different possibilities. Yeah, perhaps a point that might be sort of beneficial here. One of the things that I found to be, you know, very successful in terms of getting inside the mindset of the other person is to, you know, position the fact that, you know, they're really just tapping into, you know, profits and revenues that otherwise they wouldn't have available to them, right? So if I put their my product in front of their audience and it's a product they to themselves don't sell, well, wouldn't it that be beneficial for them to get a piece of that pie because normally they wouldn't. So it is, it's like you said, it's really, I'm sure, positioning it from the point of view of the other person to get them to see the benefit in the relationship. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about perhaps how a deal might be structured. We mentioned kind of at the onset of the interview that I guess typically this would be a percentage of revenue type deal or, you know, some form of cash payment. Is that the only way to do it? Or is there other ways that you could compensate your JV partner with a JV deal? Yeah, there are different ways you can do it. Obviously, you know, what we're used to in the marketing realm is to, you know, offer a percentage, but you can also pay what's called a bounty. You could pay somebody just a flat fee for having referred somebody to you uh, or having, uh, referred you know different people to you. It just depends on what what the uh, offer is and so on. Um, would you want to expand on that question a little bit? Like, be, are you asking besides paying a percentage? Uh, how else you can pay them or compensate them? Is that the main question? Yeah, I guess that would be the the first part. So, does it always need to be a cash payment. I'll give you perhaps an example from my previous business, which was an offline company selling photography services. Instead of actually offering a cash reward to our joint venture partners, we actually offered them free services. So we said, look, if you introduce our service to your customers, we'll give you you know, a um, credit of photography services that you can then go and use yourself. So I'm just wondering if there's any other creative ways that you could compensate that might not be just putting cash in someone else's pocket. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's one thing that does happen a lot in IAM space too, is where, you know, sometimes people will offer their coaching services or access to their mastermind group, you know, that might, you know, 20,000 a year or more, uh, might, act, you know, provide access to that so that then, you know, you, you know, that's worth way more than, you know, let's say you would have made 10 grand or so off of a promotion. Well, instead, if you have access to somebody's mastermind group that meets a couple times a year and maybe they uh, have online or telephone uh, conversations throughout the year and they're discussing different marketing strategies, I mean, think how much more money that could be worth to you. So, so people will, you know, barter things such as that. But the typical thing is to keep it simple is to offer, you know, a, a decent commission that makes people happy. Um, but then obviously people make other types of deals as well. And if you don't mind me saying, one thing that happens a lot is that when someone asks, uh, for instance, if someone came to you and asked uh, if uh, you would consider promoting for them, what you might respond with is, well, would you also consider reciprocating and promoting for me? Uh, a lot of people want uh, other companies to reciprocate for them. 
if they're going to promote for that company. And that's fine, but that's not always possible. But what I want to point out is that there are a lot of different ways to reciprocate. So this is along the same lines as what of what you were asking. But when it comes to reciprocation, I mean, you can reciprocate by also promoting for them. You can also agree to do what we just mentioned. Maybe you help uh, get on, uh, you know, give them a couple hours of your consulting time to help them through uh, their issues with what your expertise is. And, you know, just so many different things you can do to return the favor if someone promotes for you, other than simply promoting for them. Because what they have to offer may not be a fit for your audience. And it's important, yeah, and it's important that you have that policy in place beforehand uh, to know what to say if someone asks you to reciprocate. You know, you can let them know, look, um, I'd be more than happy to take a look at it. I give first priority to anyone who promotes for us, but obviously it's got to be a fit for my list. And if it isn't, then we can talk about other ways that I can help scratch your back because you helped promote our product to your your audience. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's a very good point because if you recommend someone else's stuff, you know, their stuff might not actually be A, a good fit and B, not that very, you know, not very good. So you don't really want to bind yourself into those scenarios where reciprocation in the form of co-promotion is the requirement, right? You want to make sure that you've got other options to, to kind of reward them with. I guess my next question moving on from this is how do we structure the agreement? Is this something that we get down in writing and both sign on? Or is it typically more of a kind of a gentleman's agreement? How do you recommend that be set up? Well, again, it depends on you know who you are, what kind of niche you're in, if you're online, offline, uh, how much you know the person you're dealing with. But I'll be honest with you, in the years I've been doing this, I've really only had a written agreement on a few of the of the projects I've worked on. And those were for, that was me as a JV director working at, or affiliate manager, whatever you want to call it, working on product launches to make sure that, you know, all of the expectations were in black and white. And we knew who was getting paid and how they were getting paid and, so, and when we're getting paid and so on. But honestly, most of the deals I've done have been just gentlemen's agreements, just based on the fact that most of the people uh, in the niche I work in, which is basically the internet marketing slash biz op niche, mainly uh, high level internet marketing products. Uh, all of us are used to working together, promoting webinars for each other and so on. And it's just something that people have agreed to do and and they just do it. Um, but then again, there are higher level joint venture deals that could be done offline or online that if you don't know the other person and you have a lot at stake, um, you know, you definitely want to get, uh, you know, some agreements in place just to make sure that, you know, everyone's backside is covered, you know. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I think now we should talk perhaps a little bit about the marketing aspect and maybe begin with the offer. In your experience, what's the best platform and offer for a JV partner to promote you with? And I'm, I guess I'm talking about options like, you know, doing a co-hosted webinar, an offer email to their list. What type of kind of platform do you find works best for these types of things? Okay, well, what has worked really well and what I've focused a lot of my time on is on the live webinars um, that have been done through GoToWebinar, for instance, where uh, a product, and when I say the ones I've worked on, I've basically helped coordinate deals between people who, you know, someone who has a really solid webinar and offer that they make at the end of that webinar with somebody who has a contact, uh, uh, a contact list 
to promote each other. And so I would say that you know one of the most powerful ones is doing these live webinars uh, because then if you're doing a live webinar, let's say you're doing one every two weeks, you only need one JV partner every two weeks to line up to keep the revenue coming in. And that takes the the pressure off of you of, okay, let's say you're doing a launch in a month, okay, trying to get as many partners as you can to make that launch as big as you, you can make it. Um, and so, I mean, there's no right or wrong in terms of what you should or shouldn't do in terms of, okay, should we do a webinar or do a product launch? It's all based on what your preferences is, are and what your goals are uh, for those promotions. But I, I personally love the, the live webinar model, uh, working with JV partners. But then what's cool about that is as you dial that in and you're doing really well with that uh, after one or two uh, JV partner deals that you do uh, with these webinars, it becomes a lot easier to get more partners to promote for you. And then you can also leverage that by, by turning that into an automated webinar. You can start sending paid traffic to that webinar. But I really believe that anyone who says that joint venture deals um, aren't good to do because, hey, you got to pay 50% or whatever the commission is, um, are missing the boat in that those relationships you're building with these people can lead to so many other relationships, whether it's joint venture deals or whatever. Um, I mean, it could lead to introductions of someone who could really help you dial in your Facebook ads or someone who could help you uh, set up a solid outsourcing strategy for your business. Who knows what what that could lead to? But but anyway, I'm kind of off tangent here. I'm just kind of going from one thought to another here. No, I will come back to that point in just a second. But what I do want to loop back to is, you know, the concept of doing this as a webinar. I can see, you know, how this would be so successful, because if we think about kind of where we're at in time, you know, 2015, this is kind of no different to someone literally walking you into a business meeting together with their customer, right? It's just more leveraged on a on a larger scale. You're turning up to a live event where both of you are present, showing, you know, really the the relationship that exists and your endorsement of the other person's, you know, product or service. And then you're presenting that together to your customers. And and that's is no different really to walking into a customer meeting with your joint venture partner and introducing their stuff to to your customer. So that's a point I just wanted to make. And yeah, secondly, in terms of networking, it's very much why I do, you know, this podcast for the same reason. These conversations and relationships that you build up doing these kind of co-promoted, co-conducted content pieces really has so many spin-off benefits. I really would agree. Right on. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Let's again, fast forward a little bit from here. Again, talking about kind of what the offer might be. Something that I found to be sort of most successful is, you know, offering some form of special deal as the host of that, um, you know, webinar to the other person's list. A, because obviously it makes it more appealing for their customers. But secondly, from their point of view, they're getting a special deal for their audience that otherwise wouldn't be available. Do you agree that that's probably the best approach in terms of positioning an offer? Sure. Yeah. Anytime you can offer a special deal, uh, especially if you know, these, uh, the JV partner is introducing you to their audience. So not only are they uh, endorsing you, but if you can come up with a special offer for them and include, uh, uh, especially if your JV partner can include uh, some bonuses to go along with it to entice them to jump on board. It's very powerful. Yeah. And what was the most successful JV that 
you've ever done, Andy. You've been involved in many. What was it? And I guess my follow-up question to that would be, what made it so successful? Sure. Well, you know, it depends on what you mean by success. I mean, I've had some that have resulted in some really big sales. And um, I I know recently I helped get some um, JV partners for a webinar that did, and I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say how much money they did, but they did. I know they had to do mid to high six figures just in the uh, within a, about a month and a half. But um, so I can't really say who it is because they haven't given me permission uh, on that. But but what I will say is one of the most successful deals I've done was b- between two marketing experts by the name of Todd Brown and Ryan Lee. And the reason I say that it was so successful is because they both uh, just really got together and were 100 percent all in to promote for each other. And we're really in tune with making sure the other uh, partners, people got as much value and solid content and a great offer. And so when, you know, these people are 100% in for each other, um, then things just blow up. And, and I think it was like $50,000, you know, from a webinar uh, from both sides or something. I'm just kind of guessing at this point. I can't remember what the actual numbers were. But if you're talking about, Huge, you know, $100,000 webinar deals and stuff. I know there was one that we did or that I did with someone else that resulted in over 100000 And again, it was because both sides were, were all in to take care of each other. But let me just say this real quick too, James. One of the keys to this, you know, the one that Todd and Ryan did, Todd Brown and Ryan Lee did, the reason that went so well is because they both agreed to get on a simple 15-minute brainstorm call and just talk about the possibilities of, how to position it and everything. And then what that does, and this is kind of a key to you guys to take note of, the the key to this type of call is that it creates buzz between the two people so that then, you know, both sides, they can't wait to promote for each other. And and then they just go all in or all out for the promotion. And if they hadn't had that conversation, they may not have done, you know, a third of what uh, they were able to do, you know, from having doing that. Interesting. Cool. Well, let's get close to wrapping up. I guess before we do so, there's probably a few people out there thinking, yeah, I'd love to give this a shot, but with everything else that I've got going on, I'm too time poor to kind of take action on it. Do you need to do it yourself or can you get someone else to kind of set these things up on your behalf? Oh yeah, for for sure. Well, you know, if you go back to what I mentioned before about keeping in mind that you, you should go after your low hanging fruit and you know, just concentrate on one or two deals off the bat and keep it simple, then yeah, I mean, you can get other people on board. But initially, if you just spent one hour of your week to reach out to your low-hanging fruit and just send a simple email with some bullet points, ask, letting them know what you have. And um, uh, first of all, if you know them and they know you, they're going to be receptive to what you bring to them and at least take a look at it. So if you start out doing that, and then as you ramp up, you definitely want to consider bringing somebody on board, uh, especially a JV manager or a JV, banker, you know, versus a JV broker. There's a difference there we don't have time to get into, but you basically want to have somebody on board uh, who could be in-house and be the manager of all the JV deals you do. They can help bring on new partners, and then they can also get all the information to those partners and schedule everything and so on. So you can focus on what you do best for your business. 
Great. Well, let's leave our listeners with perhaps some action steps. I'm going to borrow one from you and say, go out and spend an hour identifying those relationships that you could contact and who could potentially be good joint venture partners for you. And then we'll leave it to you maybe to perhaps assign a couple more. What are two more action steps that you recommend our listeners take as a result of listening to this? Yeah. Okay. So before you even do that, before you even line up your partners, what you need to do is get organized and get clear on exactly what your joint venture opportunity is and what's in it for the potential JV partner. Get all of that information together from, I mean, we don't have time to go into all of it, but basically, you know, how much money they can make by selling your product, some basic information about the product itself, price points, and so on. And then set it all up on a, on a simple one-page website that I call it a JV attraction page because it's set up like a sales page, but it's the purpose is to sell potential partners on promoting your joint venture opportunity. And so get that together on a page like that and then uh, prioritize your list of contacts and reach out to them. And then you can just send them to that page when they're interested and say, look, check out this page. It's got a quick two-minute video on it. And all the information you need, let me know if this sounds like it would be a fit for your audience. And then boom, you know, you're in business. Awesome stuff. Well, to you, the listener, you can get a full summary of everything that Andy just mentioned there in the show notes of episode 68 of Traffic Jam, which, of course, you do get to by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 68, where, of course, you can also join in on the discussion for this episode as well. So all that remains is for me to thank you for coming on. Andy. thoroughly enjoyed this one, actually. I think we've given our listeners some cool stuff there and some great action points to uh, to go and implement. So thank you for your time and perhaps sometime again in the future, we, we can have a round two and do it all again. Sounds awesome, James. I appreciate you having me on. Everybody, uh, take care and, and uh, enjoy this, uh, this uh, interview. Thanks, man. So thank you for listening in to episode 68 of Traffic Jam with Andy Hassong. We will, of course, be back next week with another episode where we'll be joined by Dan Norris, who's going to be talking to us all about building an audience through content marketing. Now, in the coming week, make sure that you subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher Radio by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes or trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher. And whilst you're there, please take the time to leave a review for the show as well. Now, for a direct link to all the bonuses that come with this episode, including a downloadable MP3, full transcript of today's session and a few other goodies to go to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 68. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash the number 68, where you know the drill. You can also join in on the discussion for this show too. Now we end this week with a traffic jam, of course, chosen by Andy Hassong, and he's picked a full-on rock track, Guns N' Roses' Welcome to the Jungle. So enjoy the track, and I'll see you back here next week.
You've been listening to the Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.